This is the tortoise, the podcast, all about the possibilities of slow. I am your host, Brooke McCallery, and I'm joined by your co-host and my co-host, Ben McCallery. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Very well. Very well. Good. I'm in a positive mood, okay. <laughs> um, which is very much at odds with the title and subject matter of this episode. But also, not too at odds, because I actually think they are the same, like different sides of the same coin. Okay. Yeah. I think it's... My hope with this conversation is to show that when things feel heavy, we can still... Like, it's still okay to to feel joy and to feel mm-hmm. positive and yeah that that's honestly what i hope to get out of it so you know what i'm looking forward I, to digging in i was just gonna say end of the episode you've already done it well done <laughs> see you next month <laughs> no i'm um yeah i'm looking forward to digging in me too me too let's do it all right so lately the world seems like it's lurching from one crisis to another mm-hmm. on top of one another mm-hmm We've got wars and conflicts and post-pandemic fatigue Mm -hmm. and economic uncertainty, you name it, and basically that's what's going on. Yep. So it feels very heavy and you thought it was a good time to talk about dealing with this heaviness on the podcast? Yeah, I I did. I did. Um. I've had a lot of conversations with people recently about this, but also just in myself, I have, I've certainly felt it. And it's not the first time we've talked about this kind of um, heaviness on the podcast. Like over the last eight years, we've definitely had reason to dig into how to manage when things are difficult, either personally or collectively. And I think that for most people, both apply at the moment. Yeah. Everyone yeah. I'm talking to feels the weight of everything you've just said. And everyone I'm talking to also has their own stuff going on. Yeah. And it's hard. So it's like just that hard. personal stuff as mm-hmm. well is huge. Yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, I did um and are about, about this topic mm. because you don't want to roll around in negativity but I also think it's really important, A, to recognize that this is how we're feeling mm-hmm. and B, to talk practically and honestly about what it can look like to move through it um, because it's it's not easy. And if we're trying to do it alone, then it can it can very quickly become, you know, that internal conversation where you're like, oh, well, I've got nothing to, to complain about. People are dealing with really horrible stuff or, um, you know, I'm lucky and how dare I feel bad. Yeah. You know. And or sorry I, for myself. Exactly. Or, yeah. And I'm not suggesting that we're going to get into like the, you know, the difficulty Olympics here. Like everyone's got stuff going on. But I just think talking about it hopefully will alleviate some of that that feeling of um, like, uh, I don't know, I – I worry that it. W- I was worried that it was going to sound self. Um, yeah, you were worried that it was going to sound like a like a pity party almost, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned 
you mentioned that we've spoken about this subject. You've written about this subject a lot. You kind of wrote a book about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when you're talking about accepting the heaviness. Right. As a like first step, because I witnessed on Saturday, I witnessed on Saturday night a huge uh, emotional release around a referendum that's just happened in Australia, mm-hmm. and yeah, I was feeling really resentful for a number of different reasons. But when I was talking to you, you kind of. I felt like I was the emotional one and you were more of the like accepting it <laughs> mm-hmm. as a thing. Like how do you how do you practice that acceptance? Like is that Yeah, practice is the word. So usually when shit goes down, I'm the one to get angry yeah. and I'm the one to rage about it. Yeah. And you're the one who's like, it's okay. Like yeah. it is what it is and yeah. we can't and that flipped on Saturday night. When the referendum was it was like up. Freaky Friday? <laughs> Did we like change? <laughs> I do often get mistaken for Lindsay Lohan, so <laughs> possibly. Um, I think it's just practice. So I made the comment to you that you were having your own 2019 election moment <laughs> that I had, um, and take that bit out. <laughs> Yeah, keep going. It was good. What you're mm. going to say? Yeah. yeah. Um, no editing on this podcast. Okay. Shit. It's down to practice. Is mm. what I will say. Mm. Uh, I accepted that I am a highly emotional uh, person. I feel things deeply. I'm very sensitive. I'm empathetic, and. I spent a long time feeling like that was a weakness, like that was a bad thing that I should tough my way through. Mm-hmm. And over the past few years, I've decided that, in fact, it's not a weakness. It's just who I am and it's how I'm made and it's how a lot of people are made. So I've allowed myself the space to feel the anger, feel the frustration. And instead of what I used to do, which was hold on to it and try and resist it and try and shove it down and try and polish it up before I'd had a chance to process it. Now I'm just like, oh, this feels really bad and I'm going to let it feel really bad. Maybe I do something to help myself process it. Maybe I write about it. Maybe I talk to you about it. Maybe I vent. Maybe I scream into a pillow. (laughs) Maybe I do, you know, something to help me acknowledge the way I'm feeling. And then I just sit with it. And that's so, it's so uncomfortable. It's so, it's painful. But if I allow myself to do that, it actually shortcuts the process Mm. of whatever comes next, you know, of moving into acceptance. And usually I will go to bed and I'll say, I'll feel different in the morning. Not necessarily better or worse, but just different. And I always do. And I think that's what's taught me the impermanence of those emotions, which is a, really wonderful thing and also it's a hell of a lot less tiring than what I used to do which Mm. was like sit rigidly with it and fight with it for a long long time I mean that's that's what I did as well for a long time yeah it's like sit you sit with it you push it back 
you know, you kind of like grit your teeth and put on a happy face mm-hmm. and like just try and get through it mm-hmm. by not even acknowledging it or thinking about it. But what you're saying is you need to think about it to an extent, but it's so hard to cut, like cut your emotions off from that in that time. Yeah, I don't think I do cut them off, but it's interesting that that's how you say you would do it. Not cut, like, yeah, not cut them off, but just put them at the back of but basically what you're saying is that you can control a lot of things and there's a lot you can't control. And so there's not any use in getting emotional in for those things that you can't control. No, but I do get I do still get emotional. I think mm. maybe that's I think they're two different things. Mm. So I I don't try and control my reaction to things anymore mm-hmm. because a reaction is valid regardless of what it is. So I just let it be what it is. Mm -hmm. I don't try and corral it into something more palatable or something more positive or something more, um, you know, acceptable to other people. It just, it is what it is. And then I sit with that rather than um, cutting my emotions off from it. I just, I just sit with, and it's, it's sort of difficult to explain. I feel like when I do that, when I sit with it, it stops it from being so, heightened mm. almost immediately because I'm just allowed I'm allowing myself to to feel whatever I feel and know that it's impermanent that feeling is impermanent and doesn't mean that I wake up the next day and I'm automatically not angry or automatically not resentful or automatically not heartbroken or but my relationship with that feeling shifts more quickly than it otherwise would and then there's the other side of what you said, which was the idea of control. And that helps. I think they feed into each other. But a huge part of my own journey towards mental well- wellness has been and continues to be looking at the things that I cannot control in the world, which is the vast majority of what is happening in the world, allowing myself to have a response to it but not feeling responsible for it. Mm. And then that then frees me up to think about what I can control and what I am able to do. What I'm able to do is allow myself to feel. I'm able to go to bed. I'm able to write about it. I'm able to rage about it. And I'm also able to loosen my grip on it. Mm. Um, So I think they kind of work in tandem, but they're not the same thing, if that makes sense. So for me, what you've just described is a form of, like emotional resilience almost. Yeah. I feel very healthy about it Yeah, in a way that I haven't ever felt. Okay. So let's all break, let's break this down further. What are the, what are the mechanisms that you think have really worked for you to be in that state, to be able to develop that emotional over resilience? Time. Yeah. Over mm. time. I think just a recognition of a, my feelings and even the bad ones, even the uncomfortable ones, and be really grappling with and coming to terms with um, the idea that I cannot, there's much that I cannot control. You know, Mm. I would spend so much of my life thinking, if only everyone did this or if if only everyone thought like me or if only, like knowing that that's not the answer, that's still where I would spend so much time uh, thinking and ultimately... You know, I think it's probably at least in part our kids growing up because 
I don't want them to um, have to carry that that weight around either. Um, so it's about learning how to be healthier with my relationship with you know world events, so that they don't grow up feeling as though it's their personal problem to fix. Mm. Like, yes, I believe that everyone has a role to play, but there's only so much we as individuals can do. And even as I'm saying that, this I still have tension there. Like yeah, I really course, do. I struggle course. with that a lot yeah. because if everyone had that hands-off approach, which is what it could sound like I'm saying, um, then nothing would change. No good will come of it. So I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying what can we do in our sphere, in our circle, in our community, in our family, in our home? What can we do? Yeah. So I think maybe it's just been a gradual shift away from spending all of my energy in my head about this stuff and starting to shift it towards um, a practical approach. So what can we do? What does that look like? And whether or not I can do anything about a particular issue or not. Mm. Um, is not really even the point. It's like, what can we do to strengthen what we have and what we have control over and having a certain amount of faith that that creates ripples, that creates change further down the line. So it's looking at your past and seeing what worked for you and then just trying to build on that after, Yeah. uh, you know, years of experience in dealing with, trauma and heaviness and yeah i mean know, I, loss I, and whatever whatever it is yeah. on a macro and micro level you mentioned kids because this is a big one so for example the current conflict um over in the middle east mm. uh we have a a daughter who was looking at quite a lot of social media posts about that mm-hmm. and other heavy issues mm-hmm. how do you what are some ways that you can work with your kids, your younger kids, in being able to build up this emotional resilience but also protect them mm. as much as possible mm. as well? Um, I think starting out with conversations around it, you know, um, I asked if – she'd been seeing social media stuff about the Palestine-Israel conflict and she said a bit, you know, and stuff about the voice referendum and she said a lot. And I'm like, how how do you feel? Like how does that make you feel? Mm. And her response was really sad, Mm. you know, and that's hers to talk about, not mine to talk about, but Mm. it was just another reminder that what we consume really does um, it does matter. It does impact us. And I'm saying that as a 41 year old, imagine you're 13, 14, 15, like, mm. and you don't have the practice at mm. compartmentalizing stuff like I do, or like most adults do. Um, so, you know, we've spoken about taking a break from social media. We've spoken about, um, experimenting with different ways of, finding more positive inputs, but we also spoke about uh, energy and 
the amount of energy that goes into worrying about stuff. And I get it. It's, it's human. It's normal. It's understandable to worry. But what could we do if we took a fraction of that time and that worry and that energy and we turned it into action? What might that look like? So, you know, we spoke about things that are important to her. If you could choose a, a cause, a, an issue, something that you feel passionate about and let's say you could help with that, what would that be? Uh, and, you know, breaking that down into practical things, whether it's um, volunteering or learning more about something because that is an act of I think learning is an act of activism, you Mm. know, saying I'm going to find out more about this thing that I'm interested in. Mm. That matters. It's gentle, but it's activism and it's important. Um, I do think it's important to, especially those younger in the teens that are very uh, interested in, say, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, Mm And like the tragedy that's occurring that they look at things that are or or organizations or people that are doing positive things Mm. and that are actually helping refugees and women and children and those sorts of things are really important to highlight and 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 shine a light on those things. Absolutely. Because as we've spoken about at Because otherwise people you lose hope. exactly. And that's Yeah, and that's what you want to try and avoid as much as possible. Yeah, and you and I have spoken at length on the podcast this year about the negative bias of social media. So you're getting all the bad stories, you're getting all of the heartbreak, you're getting, and you have to really look for the good news there. Um, So finding a way to engage with people doing good stuff is so important. Yeah. And, you know, it's that every time some horrible tragedy befalls people, they roll out this quote, you know, Fred Rogers quote saying, look for the helpers. But it's true. There is always people helping and there is always people trying to do good. And I get it. I still am so angry. <laughs> I'm so angry about so much of it. Um, but that doesn't help. What helps is taking that and turning it into something else. And that takes a bit of time, which I suppose is going back to our first part of our conversation, like allow it to take a bit of time, Mm. turning that anger or resentment into something else. But when that happens, use it, Mm. you know, use it in a positive way, use it in a way that helps build hope rather than deplete it. Uh, And, you know, that can look like being very aware of the role of social media and news media on your personal worldview so it's really important to be informed and educated on things I absolutely believe that but it's also really important to step away and whether that means limiting yourself to a certain amount of time every day in those spaces to learn and to absorb and to ideally get a broad range of you know views and opinions on things um, and then step away from it or at least starting and ending your day without it. Yeah. You know, there's nothing worse than waking up and kind Doom of... Doom scrolling. Yeah, rolling into the mess of the world before your brain's even fully Switched awake. Switched on, yeah. Um, 
There's a really great brook. There's a really great brook. Excellent. There's a really great book, um, and I'm not sure of the author, but it's called Care. And <laughs> and uh, the author writes like a lot about self-care, but also like broader community-based care. What are some key insights, do you think, from that book um, <laughs> that is available in all good bookstores to with the mirror of and the lens of, through the, what we're talking about today? Is there any like specific self or like broader community-based care that yeah, pra- I, practicalities? I think they both, they both kind of support each other. Mm which was really the premise of care when I wrote it. So I wrote that during the pandemic, um, which was a doozy of a time to write it, but also incredibly helpful because it was so applicable. Yeah. And it's so applicable now. Absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, And really it was taking the idea of self care and turning it into something truly supportive and re- framing what it actually means to care because I found myself deep in the ditches of caring about the enormous much. things yeah. so much yeah. to the point that it was all encompassing yeah. and truly just debilitating yeah. in the end. Yeah. Um, so, you know, viewing care as a spectrum, you've got big, big world care, really important, great to know, but also you cannot spend all your time there because you can't become demoralized and you become completely without hope and nothing changes Yeah. if you have no hope. And that's probably become my greatest driving force is finding hope and, and building it and, and feeding it and loving it and hoping, like trying to share it. Uh, so that's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum was what had become commercialized self-care. Again, great, fine, yeah. has a role. Um, and an important role, but if that's where you spend all your time, then you become very self-focused over a long period of time. It's the stuff in the middle, you know, it's, mm. it's the small acts of care towards other people, but also towards yourself that I think are really powerful. Um, so practically speaking, the first thing that comes to mind is connection. My default when I feel low and down is to run away mm-hmm. my default is to disconnect from people to not respond to texts to really bunker down and it's a protective thing and I get why I do it but I also know that over time that's to my detriment so you know reaching out to people letting people know that you're thinking about them getting on the phone, asking your mate if they want to go for a walk, seeing if someone wants to meet up for a coffee, all of that. And it's not what I feel like doing in the moment, but I know it's good for me. And every time I do it, I'm glad of it. So it's sort of just touching base with people and getting out of our own heads is so, so important. Um, And that's something that I have really worked on over the last few years, probably as a result of the loneliness I felt during COVID. and before COVID. I also think that... Can I just interrupt you? Yes, please. <laughs> I was on a tear. I'm sorry. No, no, it's all good. I'm just thinking about that connection. Does it work? 
like, you know, human connection. So in-person connection versus social connection. How does... Social how, media, you mean? Or, to, did yeah. You, yeah. Sorry. Like, sorry, social media or yeah, technology-based mm-hmm. connection. Because I feel like the real benefits to that connection is eye-to-eye contact, a hug, yep. a smile, yep. a knowingly, a knowing nod. <laughs> How does it work in the socials, in the sort of tech space? Is, does it, is there still room for that? Definitely. And I think that it's important to allow for that for accessibility reasons for, you know, if people are living away from their family and friends, if people are not able to leave the house, whatever it might be, using tech to connect is still really powerful and really help. I don't know if you get this feeling, but if ever you get a text from a friend um, out of the blue saying, hey, just thinking about you, hope you're doing all right, like something nice happens inside you. It feels like a little burst of warmth Mm. and that to me, is what happens when you're, you feel seen. Yep. I think that it's, um, you know, scientifically there's a, a load of evidence showing that, as you say, eye to eye, face to face, you know, a pat on the back, a big hug, that kind of stuff really does change our body chemistry for the better. Uh, but I think it's important to take what you can, you know, um, and even just really incidental moments of connection like – uh, the other day I was driving to the vet and I had to stop at Roadworks mm. and, you know, the guy with the stop slow sign mm-hmm. was just standing there. He looked bored. I gave him a wave when I drove through um, and he gave me the biggest smile and a wave back. I didn't like, there was nothing to that. It took no extra time or energy. And I felt an, an actual change in, mm. you know, in my, my mindset, my, my mood just from that tiny moment of connection, um, like stuff like that matters too. A wave to someone, a smile at someone. It doesn't have to be a, um, you know, a big moment of connection. It's just allowing ourselves to see and be seen by others. You do love a, a good courtesy I do. wave. I do. I love a courtesy wave. I love a, you know. Smile. You love car-based connection. <laughs> It's for when, you know, you don't want to be on your phone, but also you don't want to be around people. You go driving around and you wave at people. <laughs> on the flip side, what's your what's your view on there's a social media influencer uh who I follow who oh, I shouldn't really follow anymore because it's more annoying than not, but uh they did a post or a story recently about only surround yourself with positive people. Do not do not associate with like negative people. Life's too short. Basically, along those lines. Uh-huh. What do you say about that? Um, I probably understand what they were trying to say. Yeah, but I think that toxic positivity is is a thing. It's a thing, and it's damaging. And I think it's just fake. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone like. The reason that we feel happiness is because we know what sadness feels like. Or, or, or being like really positive during heavy times mm-hmm. is so unauthentic. Like it's so, it's so disconnected to reality. I think it minimizes people, yeah. you know. Um, and sometimes we do it because we feel uncomfortable, mm. you know. 
I'm not ready to deal with whatever this big issue is, so I don't want to hear what you have to say about it. Therefore, positive vibes only, mates. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a reason that we do it. I think sometimes we do it because we don't understand or we lack empathy. Um, I think that judging someone's worth as a friend based on their current outlook being negative or positive is a terrible way to build a circle of authentic yeah. friendships and intimate friendships. Yeah. So I don't, I don't dig that particular influences. Um, no point, point of, of view. view on that. Though in say yeah, in saying that you don't want to surround yourself with people that magnify no uh, loss, stress, That's crisis. Right. Like exactly. Those people that. Do that is it is extremely tiring. So that's what I mean. I think that or he was probably what I call energy vampires. Yes, I think he was probably. I think I know who you were talking about, and I don't think they're a bad person. Probably getting at that. Yeah, you know. So, but that's why I think that conversations like this, where we're like, yeah, it's okay to feel really devastated by things, and then also in the next breath laugh about stuff. Like that's why these conversations are important because. The more of us who do that, and I think most of us do, but we don't feel okay about it, mm. um, the more authentic our relationships are going to be and the less we're going to have to say things like positive vibes only or, you know, because we can feel both sides of that coin over time with our friends, you know, or within the same conversation with our friends. And it, it's neither all of one or all of the other. So some... Um Handy phrases to use for those people that minimize uh, reality and whether that's heaviness and emotional um, stress mm. and all the rest of it. Some some sayings that I uh, saw on the weekend that, what, that I want to share. I have neither the time nor the crayons to explain it to you. <laughs> I can explain it to you, but I can't make you understand it. Yep, I like that one. And this one's probably a little bit mean and too cutting, but I envy the people you haven't and will not meet in your lifetime. <laughs> bit too harsh. Depends who you're talking to, I suppose. <laughs> but I do, I think you're right. Um, another part of having to navigate the heaviness is often, particularly, you know, in Australia, we're in this, this moment, long bloody moment, um, of division around the voice mm. and having conversations with people that you don't agree with, I think is really important. I, I truly believe that. And I think that we need to learn how to do that better and more often. Um, but having a toolkit of phrases and strategies to protect yourself as well is really helpful. Yeah. So having like a set of responses in your back pocket might not be a bad idea. Um, maybe just not the last one. <laughs> it yeah. dep again, depends that's who you're talking to. Um, yeah. So I think that that's also a way because we can't do anything positive if we're completely burnt out. Right. And yeah. even trying to have conversations and spreading awareness or, uh, you know, talking through a particular point of view over and over again is very, very exhausting, particularly if you're up against it in terms of people who either don't want to hear you or disagree with you. Um, 
we can't keep doing that. We can't keep drawing from an empty well. So it's a matter of like finding your, um, you know, your baseline yeah. of, of yeah. wellness and making sure that you're keeping on top of it. And I think that applies to to everything. I mean, we're no good to anyone if we're completely burnt out. Getting back to some practical ways people can work through the heaviness of micro and macro issues. Have you ever heard of the 54321 exercise? Maybe. I'm going to guess you have. <laughs> Begin by taking a few slow, deep breaths. Mm-hmm. Then notice five things you can see, four things you can hear, mm. three things you can feel, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. And focus on your senses. You'll ground yourself in the present moment and connect, reconnect to the here and now. Mm. I think that's a really, really good exercise. And it's tied to your advice around like noticing like the small things that I think would have helped me a lot on Saturday night to be less emotional mm-hmm. and less upset. Mm. I think it's interesting though that you keep coming back to like you feel bad about being emotional and upset. Yeah, isn't why, that strange? Why do, why do you feel bad? I think, you know, personally I think it is because our roles were were, were flipped. Yeah. Like I felt this is not your space. You this is you're not this is not your usual role. Right. But you're allowed to feel bad. How weird is that? And I think that's I think that would be pretty common. I'm talking about like a gendered, very stereotypical maybe observation. Yeah, maybe. I don't feel bad. I do, it just Maybe with you being more emotional, resilient at that time, it gave me space to be in that sure. area. Because usually I don't think it's healthy for us to both be in that liminal state. Mm-hmm. Okay. I I'm just guessing here. Yeah. Like these are not – this is just me observing and, and reflecting on it. Yeah. Um. A gendered response to heaviness. That would be an interesting study. Yeah, and again, I know we've kind of we've kind of spoken about, you know, related topics and how they relate to gender over the year, but I, I, I'm curious about whether it's gendered or whether it's just, you know, character traits, if it's certain people with certain character yeah, traits. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, it was interesting though. So I, I think I almost... I was prematurely calm on Saturday night. You were very prematurely calm. And by that I mean like, so I carry hope around and I both embrace it and am terrified of it. Yeah. Because hope means my heart is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And Great place to be most of the time. It is, but it hurts. For a lot of people. Yeah, but it hurts. Yeah. Being hopeful and then having that hope squashed is painful so i have this real tense relationship with hope part of me is like i just want to close down and go oh well you know 
the voice referendum is going to be defeated. Let's get over it. Let's move on before it even happened. And I refused to let that happen because I believe in hope. Um, but I almost kind of went there on Saturday night. I was sort of callous almost in the way I was talking to myself about it, being like, oh, you, knew, you know, you knew this was going to happen. Uh, it wasn't until Sunday. I was really upset yesterday and it was, you know, fine. I let myself be really upset. I was also really upset this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and what I did was A, let it be that. Mm-hmm. And it was just different. It was a different way of moving through it. But B, I then journaled about it and I let myself be so There you go. Angry. I would that would be fascinating reading. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> it would not be fascinating reading. It's terrible reading. <laughs> you actually probably couldn't read it anyway. But But don't slam your coping mechanisms because Oh that's, no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's just not for reading. Yeah. It was it was literally venting my spleen on a page. Yeah. But felt it was the right thing to do. So, you know, I think that that's also helpful to talk about, like how do we process stuff? I mean, we can talk about things and you and I do. Often I feel like like I talk at you a lot because I have to process things out loud or on, pay, on paper. Mm. And I think you do a lot of yours internally. So sometimes it doesn't feel like a good Mix. match of energy because yeah, yeah. I'm all out and you're all in, if that makes sense. Um so, but you can talk about it, you know, if you've got people around you that you feel safe with doing that, that's one way of doing it. You can journal. Like, so I brain dumped, I just, I just stream of yeah. consciousness journal for three pages and blah, 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 blah. Yep. Uh, what other things can you do? So let's say you're feeling angry, right? Let's say you're feeling angry about something. How do you process that anger? Do you have like things that you can do that help relieve that? That five, three, two, one. Yep. I'm going to try that next time. Okay. Because no, I don't feel like I have a set uh, strategy in coping. Uh, I do a lot of visualization. And I visualize how I want to feel, like how I want to act and feel and try and make that happen okay so does that give you space to allow yourself to feel however you're feeling before you move into the thing that you're trying to visualize or mm. are you trying to probably I'm shift probably, straight away into probably the trying next to thing. shift straight away mm-hmm. after visually flipping the bird off to whoever it is and okay whatever issue it is uh, Saying some nasty things, some cutting remarks. Good place to do them. In your your head. head. (laughs) Seriously, on a piece of paper, you know, that's a good place to do it. As long as, yeah, I'm not just mumbling around, you know, walking around the house (laughs) mumbling to myself. Have you ever, um, have you ever done the, you know, draft an email trick where you like, you're angry about something and you draft an email and you just completely go to town in that email and then I haven't you actually. delete it. I, I haven't actually. I, I probably have like professionally I have done that. Yep. But I've got a really bad habit of 
putting the email address in <laughs> before I type anything. Don't do that. <laughs> Rookie mistake. I know. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I, I can't say that that would work for me. Mm-hmm. But I see, I see the merits in it. That whole like sleeping on it, let's, mm. you know, sleep on it. But I think sleeping on it for me anyway comes second. So first is like the going, oh, God, this feels horrible. Let it feel horrible. Then sleeping on it. I feel like that that has been the key for me rather than going, oh, forget about it. Just shove it away. And in the morning, it'll be gone. They feel different. You were so good on Saturday night because you were basically you basically said to me, I acknowledge how you're feeling. Like my advice to you is don't go on any media outlet on mm-hmm. any social mm-hmm. channel mm-hmm. uh do something you enjoy do something that will make you feel like relaxed or happy or motivated or whatever and sleep on it come back in the morning yep. yeah did that help yeah massively yeah right that's, that's good didn't even look at stuff in the morning. no you didn't and i think that was that was a Just good kept call myself busy uh do you have um activities that you could do in a rageful way that oh, as a release. Really? That's a nice, that's a really nice. Like, could you play rage golf? Oh, uh, that's hard. It's, I could, yeah, you can try and hit the ball as hard as possible. Yep. It doesn't necessarily go. The I'm not going to say it's good. It go. <laughs> Driving range would be good for that. Right, yeah, okay. Not actually a round of golf. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really good one. What about like rage Exerc- workout? Exercising mm-hmm. is definitely a option. Mm-hmm. Running, yes, go for a run. Yeah, that's my dad used to always say that when he'd see me as a teenager <laughs> be a yeah, really stressed and pent up, yeah, like, yeah. anger and testosterone filled. He's like, go for a run, so helps. Mm-hmm. Yep, really, really helps. And it's probably a combination of uh, taking getting your in, mind off exactly, it, getting and into your body, exerting yourself. And then the, you know, the chemical changes, like the endorphins, endorphins. and stuff that, that yeah. are released when we do that. Yeah. It's probably a what combination. What about you? It's the writing, isn't it? It's the pages. The writing's one thing yeah. and, and it's, it's, a, it's a go-to, mm. but sometimes I need to walk. So I will say to myself, I'll walk till I'll feel better. Yep. And that might be 20 minutes. It might be an hour. Um, I will, I can, I, I have been known to rage garden. So Rage garden. Yep. Um, not rip stuff out or anything, but just be like fully present in what I'm doing and, you know, digging stuff up or like kind of getting physical. Um, same rage cleaning, done that before. Rage quitting. Oh, <laughs> uh, speaking of the garden and rage gardening, I did use a flame thrower yesterday. You did. So I, there was a fair amount of rage in that. Yep. You burnt those weeds. But that's actually quite a mindful thing to do, right? Because you really it's need great. to be paying attention to what's so good. Like to physically what you're doing. Yeah. But you know, you listened to a podcast, you got yourself out of your head in that regard. I do do that too much though. I do listen I do try and avoid reality by by listening or consuming media mm-hmm. like all the time. Right. So rather than letting stuff out. You've you've definitely witnessed it and commented on the fact that if I'm stressed, I constantly want an input. Yep. Yep. Like listening to music, listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It takes my mind out. And I suppose that's better than 
drinking alcohol, yeah. like take, you know, trying to numb yourself that way. Yeah. But it definitely is a mechanism that I don't think is, I'd like to work at mm-hmm. put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that there is value for sure in allowing ourselves silence sometimes, but then there's that sort of fine line between, okay, silence in order to process and think, but then when does that become rumination? Oh, yeah. And and that's, yeah. I guess, just self-knowledge. That's just learning about picking up on your own, um, your own ticks and, and yeah, exactly. you know, behaviors and patterns. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there is value for sure in doing something so full bodied, like in a rageful kind of way. Um, I would sometimes when I'm feeling very frustrated, not necessarily specific to world events or whatever, but when I'm feeling frustrated or overwhelmed, I will set a timer for 15 minutes and do something, whether it's clean the kitchen or the bathroom or, you know, pull all the clothes out of my wardrobe or, you know, pull weeds, whatever. And that also feels quite helpful because it's sort of saying, here's 15 minutes where you can not engage with whatever is bothering you. You go and do something all encompassing for those 15 minutes and then you can come back. And almost always when you come back to that thing, that thought, that problem, you view it slightly differently. So I think that's helpful as well. I'm also a big fan. We spoke about it a little bit earlier um, in terms of, you know, talking to our daughter about doing, finding a way forward that involves Mm -hmm. action. So often I think that, you know, um, let's say activism in any capacity, it can feel very overwhelming. Um, And when you're burnt out, when you're exhausted, when you're sad, when you're anxious, it can feel too much. I wrote last year on the tortoise about this idea of gentle activism. And I'm going to drop the paywall on it and link to it in today's show notes because there's some, I, I was reading it this morning, there's some really helpful ideas in there about moving forward in a way that feels nourishing Mm. rather than depleting. Mm -hmm. So it can be things like cooking a meal, you know, from scratch and sharing it with your family. It can be like picking a bunch of flowers and dropping them off at your friend's house. It can be, um, you know, dropping a seed bomb in a public park. It can be anything that is nourishing that. And to me, it's, it's things that build rather than things that try and pull down. And that that feels like a positive, gentle form of activism for when we are tired. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I think that shifting our mindset maybe to something more akin to building can be helpful in times like this. So how do we build relationships with people? How do we strengthen ties? How do we um, let people know that we're with them? Mm. It's not easy, but I do. I, I think that there's something there and it feels positive because that's what I need at the moment. I think that's what a lot of people need is something positive to do in the face of it all. What are you going to do? a really good question i mean i i you and i've spoken a bit 
privately about, um, you know, supporting charities that are doing important work on the ground, both in Australia and overseas. And I think that that's one thing that we can do and we're in a position that we can do that. Um, but I don't think that that's really what I mean. Like, no, I think that's really? important. Yeah. I do you, think that's important. Because it's more reactive rather than but It feels almost passive. That's like it's meant, fairly passive. easy. Yeah. yeah. If you yeah. have the finances to be able to support a charity. Or throw, throwing money at a problem. And I think that, yes, to a certain extent, that's important. But what else do we do? Mm. You know, and maybe that's something that we can focus on over the coming weeks is sitting down with ourselves and writing a list of things that we can do, organisations that we might want to support or get involved in. But even much smaller than that, like what are what are local actions that we can take? What are home based actions we can take? Um, you know, and and finding something that feels like it's building. Yeah, I also I quite like the idea of finding like the rebelliousness in this stuff. Um, in that it feels very easy and it's um, expected for us to get sad and heavy and, you know, lacking hope. That's Mm -hmm. understandable, expected. It kind of excites me to think about a countercultural way forward and maybe that's why the idea of, you know, gentle activism appeals to me because... Um, it encompasses things like craftivism and stuff like that too. So it's it's slow and it's quiet, but it's status quo busting and it feels a little bit like a bit punk rock. Yep. So it's sort of finding things like that that mm. appeal that, mm. you know, you can take quiet pride in because you're swimming against the swimming against the flow. I'm sure I'm mixing metaphors there. But anyway. What does that look like? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Knitting. Craftivism, you mean? Yeah. Um, well, that's certainly... Is that like knitting blankets for... It can be. Yeah, for yeah, sure. People and... There's heaps of examples in that post that I mentioned. Okay. Um, but, you know, there was this organisation, I think in the UK, that were... They were hoping to influence MPs to I think it was raising the minimum wage or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And they um, hand embroidered handkerchiefs for each of the MPs involved in this vote saying things like don't blow it, you know, and stuff. So like I love that. I just got massive murders in the building, uh, only <laughs> murders in the building uh, handkerchiefs. Oh, with the handkerchief, yeah. yeah, for sure. Season two for anyone that hasn't watched it. Three. Three. Season three. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so things like that, you know, and they're almost, they're a little bit delightful at the same Mm. time, Mm. uh, you know, and guerrilla gardening and that kind of stuff falls into the same category, but it doesn't have to be so nudge, nudge, wink, wink. It can just be, you know, do a few pots of herbs out on the footpath or it can be like, and any, I think anything that builds. Because yeah. I feel like we, I look around and so much of what is heaviness in the world is because things are being pulled down. They're being destroyed. And I'm, that's what makes me angry. We're seeing the destruction of things, of kindness between people and 
the ties that bind bind us and our care for people who aren't us and for peace and the environment and you know it's all it's all destruction and so much easier to destroy and say no than it is to live in hope and build something and say yes but that's what feels rebellious about it you know be on the side building stuff building hope yeah like that i don't know how do you feel like we rambled coherently or incoherently oh yeah that was a massively <laughs> massive ramble ramble thon but fresh though it's you know fresh. what i feel a lot better for it good personally this is i love recording these episodes mm. when it's like this because mm. it is a sense like I, it's like therapy yes yeah, someone actually sent through a comment recently saying like i love hearing you guys work through things together that's and that's exactly what it is that's what today certainly was because um too emotionally this, charged to even plan this episode yes yes this morning was a little <laughs> otherwise prickly. it would never have been recorded Mm-mm. um so i guess Last episode I didn't do it, but this episode I just briefly want to go into a quick reflection and it's very much related. Um, I wrote about letting go last week as the overall theme for this term over on the tortoise, um, the newsletter. I'm writing about letting go and what that can look like in terms of slow living but also in very loose terms, that's sort mm. of just the umbrella idea. Um, and that was specifically through the lens of what you and I have just been talking about, you know, the heaviness of things and the, the lack of control that we feel like we have. Uh, but the flip side, the place that I landed on that was there's so much that we have no control over, but that is actually a freedom in recognizing that because it allows us and frees us up to control the things that we can. And that feels really empowering uh, not always, but it does feel generally empowering. Yeah. And someone left a comment, which was a uh, a quote from James Baldwin. Who's James Baldwin? Uh, James Baldwin was a sort of mid-1900s author, poet. Wrote a lot of short stories and collected, collected essays. Is that what you call it? Yep. Anyway, I had to Google him because I wasn't sure. But please go on. This is the quote. The sea rises, the light falls, lovers cling to each other and children cling to us. The moment we cease to hold each other, the moment we break faith with one another, the sea engulfs us and the light goes out. And that spoke to me. That was a comment left by Wendy Mm -hmm. who reads, obviously reads the newsletter um it spoke to me so deeply because it really does sort of shine a a light on both sides you know we cling to each other we cling and people cling to us and then when we cling to other things the sea will engulf us and I think that at the moment it's very easy to cling to other things and forgetting our hold on each other so I it's think, really nice. yeah, I think that that mm. idea of, you know, looking at our hands, what are we holding on to? Because if it's not each other, then maybe we need to revisit 
we what need we're to regroup. doing. Yeah. Hmm. So that's all we've got. We're all we've got. This planet, each other, that's it. The rest of it's all made up. You know? Um, I'm going to carry that. Love it. That idea around with me for a while, I think. But then, you know, it's coming back to that question that we've come to a couple of times. Like, what, what will we be doing? What are we going to do? And I think that's the next... It's a lo- yeah, it's a lovely com- like lovely comment to leave. On oh, it is. I'm s- if you haven't subscribed to the tortoise, <laughs> what are you doing? Not only do you get articulated, sensible, written p- prose from you. <laughs> it's nothing like this podcast. Podcast. Articulated and sensible. Never felt so seen. Uh, but you also get awesome comments like that. Yeah, the community is so, brilliant. I absolutely yeah. if you love. Go and subscribe. Yeah. I mean, there's and lots and lots of people in. who listen to the podcast who haven't subscribed yet. Yeah. Just yeah. based on the numbers. Exactly. Uh, I would love to have you over there. Yeah. There, it's, it's free. You can sign up for free. You'll get a letter every Thursday. Um, and then if you choose to be a paid subscriber, which is five bucks a month, 50 bucks a year, Australian, uh, you will also get Sunday posts mm. and, um, part of those Sunday posts are quarterly like online retreats and workshops and that kind of stuff. So it's really cool. It's such a beautiful little corner of the internet and I'm mm. incredibly grateful to everyone who's listening, who does subscribe mm. and take part. Um, it's the first year that I've really felt a sense of belonging again with my writing for all that I've, I haven't felt for and a long time. You can definitely see that. Yeah. So that's yep. down to it's everyone who's, yeah. who's part of the community. I want to uh, drop a, a bomb here Ooh. for next month's topic. Wondering whether we could talk about addiction. Okay. Addiction. And I'm specifically talking about my current work addiction. Okay. Uh, and a bit of an update for the community on my four-day work week <laughs> that I mentioned at the beginning of this year that I was, you know, trying to work out and put it into practice. Mm-hmm. It's more like six days. Mm-hmm. It's it's incredibly frustrating right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. But I want to come, uh, yeah, pre- prepared for next month's podca- podcast, I'll get it right, with an update on on that. And talk about, yeah, all different sorts of addictions. I look forward to um, talking about that. Yeah. Mm, That's a good, that's a juicy topic. Yeah, really juicy. Anyway, you heard it here first. Uh, In the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful month. We'll be back in your ears the third Thursday of next month. I don't know if you can hear that, but the The wind wind. is blowing an absolute gale. Apologies if that's been whistling in your ear the whole episode, but. um, Not a great deal we can do about the the weather. Anyway, I hope you have a really great month and um, hope to see you over at the tortoise, brookmccallery.substack.com. And also just take care of yourself. It's hard out there. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.